Elements of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Elements of Geology by William Ruschenberger. Recording by Michelle. Lesson 1. Geology defined. Form of the Earth. Its surface. Internal heat. Mineralogy defined. Definition of the term rock. Formations. Strata. The origin of strata. Vegetable earth. Alluvium. Division of the formations. Plutonic formations. Neptunian or stratified rocks. Order of strata. Temple of Jupiter Serapis. Subsidence and elevation of coast. Geology. From the Greek, G, the earth, and logos. Discourse, or science of the earth, is that branch of natural history which treats of the physical constitution of our globe. The earth, as is generally known, is in the form of a ball, or spheroid, slightly flattened at the poles, floating freely in space. Its diameter is about 8,000 miles, and its surface is irregular. Here it is studded with long chains of mountains. They are hollowed by deep depressions. But these inequalities, however gigantic they may appear, when compared with objects surrounding us, are in reality very trifling. In comparison with the mass of the globe, they are proportionally much less than those we see on the skin of the smoothest orange, and if represented on a ball three feet in diameter, the highest mountains would still be so small as almost to require a microscope to perceive them. The deepest excavations of the surfaces of the globe are covered by great masses of water, which conceal them and prevent their examination. But there is reason to believe that the most profound depressions do not much exceed three miles in depth below the surface of the sea, and we know by exact measurement that the summit of the loftiest mountains is not six miles above the same level. The surface of the earth has not always possessed the same configuration that it now presents. It has been frequently upturned and there is even reason to believe that the entire globe was a liquid mass melted by heat, and that it gradually became solid as it cooled. Except at comparatively shallow depths, we cannot examine the nature of the materials constituting our globe, not even by descending into mines, excavated for the purpose of extracting the wealth they contain, for the deepest of these excavations do not exceed five hundred yards. But by calculations it has been inferred that the center of the earth cannot be occupied either by water or by vapor, but by matter as heavy as our heaviest metals, and so hot that it is probably in a state of constant fusion. A great number of facts concur in proving that the earth possesses an internal heat, the remnant of the original heat, independent of that which it receives from the sun. Its temperature increases in proportion as we descend to considerable depths. There are some very deep mines in which the workmen can only labor when naked, and whenever the water of a spring rises from a great depth, its temperature is always very high. This increase of temperature has even been measured, and it has been ascertained that the heat of the earth increases about two degrees Fahrenheit for every seventy to one hundred feet. In very deep cellars, where the influence of the seasons is not felt, and where the temperature is always the same, the thermometer at Paris stands at about fifty-one degrees, and at a depth of two hundred feet below these cellars, the heat is about 55 degrees. At a league below the surface, the temperature must be above that of boiling water, and at a depth of less than two leagues, it must be sufficient to melt tin. It appears to be demonstrated 
that the globe at some remote period was in a state of incandescence or liquefaction from heat and that it cooled by degrees but we must not conclude that this cooling process has continued to the present time and is still going forward it has almost if not entirely ceased from the earliest records of history to the present moment the temperature of the globe has not sensibly changed and by the calculations of the learned it is proved that the surface of the earth receives from the sun during the year a quantity of heat equivalent to that which it loses in the same space of time the internal heat of the earth no longer influences the temperature of its surface except in an insensible degree and to diminish this influence which is almost none at all one half would require the lapse of thirty thousand years our knowledge of the central portion of the globe is limited to what we have just said of its weight and temperature but the solid crust constituting its surface has been better studied this crust is not formed of a single piece but is composed of a great number of various materials the study of these various substances particularly belongs to mineralogy the study of their mutual relations and the more or less important part they play in the constitution of the globe is a province of geology in general we give the name of rocks to mineral substances which are united in great masses and apply the term formations to diverse assemblages of rocks which appear to have been formed under the same circumstances the word rock as used by geologists is applicable to all mineral masses whether hard or soft and therefore includes in its meaning sand marble clay granite etc when we examine the sides of mountains artificial excavations and various other localities favorable to geological studies we very soon perceive that there are a great many different formations and these formations are in layers or stories reposing one above the other constituting strata the plural of stratum a latin word meaning a bench couch or layer anything spread out or strewed over a surface we can be convinced of this by examining the cuts made through hills for the passage of railroads and canals in various parts of the united states by comparing the different materials composing the earth's crust the geologist will soon be satisfied that these different rocks in a majority of instances are not placed one alongside the other but cover each other and form a series of layers of more or less thickness comparable to the courses or layers in a mass or wall of mason work gypsum or plaster pears for example rests upon a stratum of coarse limestone for in digging wells in the neighborhood of paris at different points the coarse limestone is always found below the plaster this coarse limestone in its turn covers a stratum of plastic clay in many places where the coarse limestone is not very thick it has been pierced through and the plastic clay is found beneath it but it is not necessary to dig wells in order to be certain of the superposition of different layers formed by these rocks it is distinctly seen by examination of the declivities of certain hills or cuts made through them for the passage of roads etc for when the point of contact of two layers is exposed at one of these localities we may frequently distinguish without difficulty the manner in which one of these layers is continued beneath the other in other places nothing similar is seen the rocks show no trace of stratification but constitute compact masses such as granite to form an idea of the manner in which nature has produced these immense earthly layers we must study the phenomena which are now taking place at different places on the surface of the earth the action of rain of the sun of frost and many other causes are constantly tending to change the surface of rocks even those which are most compact and to detach fragments from them 
These fragments, more or less divided, are spread out over the surface of the soil, mixed with the detritus of plants and animals, and constitute a kind of movable bed, more or less thin, which covers the whole surface of the globe, and bears commonly the name of vegetable earth, because it is in this bed that almost all vegetables grow. The mineral substances which enter into its composition are ordinarily sand, clay, or the debris, or the remains of calcareous rocks. Detritus is a geological term applied to deposits composed of various substances which have been comminuted by attrition. The larger fragments are usually termed debris. Those which are pulverized, as it were, constitute detritus. Sand is the detritus of siliceous rocks. When currents of water pass over movable formations, such as we have just mentioned, they take up a portion and convey to a distance the detritus and debris of which they are composed. In this way, when the heaped-up snows on the tops of mountains melt under the influence of the summer sun, or when abundant rains fall on the same places, impetuous torrents descend towards the plain, and carry with them earth and fragments of stones found in their root, or which they tear up from their resting places. The result is that the water of these torrents is often turbid, and loaded with mud, sand, flints, or even blocks of stone, but when they reach a flat country, or fall into a large basin, their course is much less rapid, and the foreign materials they held in suspension are gradually deposited. The heaviest sink first, and at length these materials lie at the bottom of the river in an earthly bed whose thickness is continually increasing. The river Po, which is precipitated from a lofty chain of the Alps and transverses Lombardy, is a remarkable example of this curious phenomenon. This river and its principal tributaries have transported in this way so much earthly matter from the mountains to the plain that since the Roman era several large lakes and extensive marshes situated near Parma, Paisance, Cremona, etc. have been filled up and become dry. The bed of these rivers is also gradually filled up so that they have several times changed their course and poured over the neighboring plains. It has been necessary to restrain them artificially by building up a long dike on each bank this has put an end to these disastrous inundations, but has not prevented the bottom of the river from continuing to rise up. Every year it is therefore necessary also to raise up the dikes, so that now these rivers flow in a sort of immense aqueduct, and at certain places the surface of their waters is higher than the roofs of the surrounding houses, as in Ferrara, for example. The river Rhone descends on the northern side of the Alps, and passes the valet too impetuously to deposit the mud and flints with which it is abundantly freighted. But when it empties into the lake of Geneva, its course becomes so slow as to be almost imperceptible, and its waters, which were at first turbid and muddy, are limpid and transparent when they escape from the opposite side of the basin to pass through the town of Geneva. The result is that the Rhone deposits in this basin all the materials which it carried, and gradually raises up its bottom constituting what is termed lacustrine formation. This progressive elevation of the soil is so marked at the eastern extremity of the lake that an ancient town called Port Valais, formerly situated on its margin, is now found about a half a league from it. About eight centuries have been sufficient for the formation of the great earthy bank which now separates this town from the lake and the deposit which gave rise to it continues to be made at the bottom of that portion of the lake in its vicinity, and continually tends to raise it up more and more, so that in time it may fill the whole of this basin, and transform the lake into a plain which the Rhone will pass through without spreading itself. In passing through Geneva, this beautiful river, as we have already said, is clear and limpid, 
but a little beyond the town it receives new tributaries such as the arve which pour into it their muddy waters and little by little it is again loaded with sand and mud which rolls on impetuously to the sea but at its mouth its course being slow these foreign materials the debris of mont blanc of the alps the dauphiny and the central regions of france are in their turn deposited and gradually elevate the soil they cover the result is new land which advances more and more on the sea we give the name alluvian from the latin alluvio an inundation or alluo i wash to formations caused in this way by the deposit of materials carried by waters and as these alluvial formations when deposited at the mouth of a river often assume the form of the greek letter delta we designate the new-made land which in a manner encroaches on the domain of the sea under the name of delta the delta of the rhone to which we alluded above and that which is found at the mouth of the po are very inconsiderable but in certain parts of the globe several are found of very much greater geological importance one of the most celebrated is the delta of the nile which according to the calculations of some authors must have grown nearly half a league since the time of herodotus and according to the commonly received opinion its formation began at the foot of the rocks upon which were built the pyramids of memphis but the deltas at the mouth of the mississippi and the mouth of the ganges increase more rapidly and possess greater interest for the naturalist other formations are also produced so to speak under our eyes by the deposit of materials which the waters of certain springs hold in solution and throw down when they can reach the surface of the earth in different parts of france near a spring situated at the north of clermont ferrand for instance we see examples on a small scale and in many parts of italy enormous masses of calcareous stone known under the name of travertin from the italian travertino are formed we often behold issuing from the craters of volcanoes a burning semi-liquid matter which spreads over the surface of the neighboring country and on cooling is converted into a hard compact rock called lava etna has furnished a great number of eruptions of lava one of which is six leagues in length and in seventeen eighty three elka a volcano of iceland gave origin to a similar current which extends twenty leagues in length and twelve in breadth these different phenomena partly explain to us the manner in which the production of the different formations disseminated on the surface of the globe must have been effected formations whose origin date back from an epoch long anterior to that of the creation of man in fact the various formations constituting the common portion of the globe differ as we have already seen very widely in their nature in their constitution and in their mode of arrangement now these differences remind us of those which exist in the modern formations above mentioned and seem to indicate that in the ancient formations some are produced in the midst of the waters by the deposit of solid materials held in suspension or solution by this liquid and others by the action of heat on earthly materials susceptible of being melted and of being afterwards hardened by cooling guided by these considerations geologists have divided the formations into two great classes namely the sedimentary or stratified formations and the massive or igneous formations on account of the presumed method of their production they are also designated under the names of aqueous or neptunian formations and igneous or platonic formations the platonic formations have received this name because they appear to be the product of the action of fire they are generally of a dense crystalline structure and ordinarily form very immense masses they are not arranged in regularly superposed beds nor do they contain the remains of organized bodies some of them are formed as we see by the action of volcanoes and others are very analogous to the latter they contain 
not only minerals peculiar to volcanic ejections, but sometimes also matters that are produced by the furnaces of our laboratories and workshops. They seem to have formed the primitive crust of the globe, for we find them beneath the Neptunian formations, but they are also sometimes spread over the surface of the latter, or betwixt the different beds or strata of which they are composed. The aqueous or Neptunian formations appear to have been deposited by the waters. In general, their texture is coarse or compact, rarely crystalline, and they are often composed of grains of sand, separate or agglutinated of heterogeneous fragments or material having the aspect of a kind of indurated mud. They are also frequently called stratified formations, and most of them are also termed sedimentary formations. It is in the midst of these formations that we find the remains of the different organized bodies by which the earth has been successively peopled. These stratified formations are not all produced at once, but successively, and under the influence of different circumstances. They constitute, as we have said before, distinct beds or strata, and these strata lie one on top of the other, so that those of a more ancient are found beneath those of a more recent formation. By studying them carefully, we shall also perceive that different points on the surface of the earth have been successively, and at intervals, left dry, and covered by the waters of the sea, or by fresh water, the sediment from which constitutes these banks. And we see that these banks themselves differ, not only in the nature and disposition of their constituting elements, but also in the nature of the remains of the organic bodies buried in their substance. We distinguish a great number of these stratified formations, and, as might be anticipated from their mode of production, they are everywhere found in the same order of superposition. The formation which, in one locality, covers another formation, can never be found in another place beneath the latter. It may be entirely wanting, so as to leave the latter uncovered or in contact with the stratum, which in another place it covered, but wherever it exists, it must be on top of or superior to all formations the production of which dates back to a more remote epoch. For example, we have stated that in the vicinity of Paris, the gypsum rests on the coarse limestone, this upon the plastic clay, and this plastic clay upon the chalk. In other localities, we may find new strata interposed between these various formations, or we may find one of them entirely wanting, for example, the plastic clay being absent, the coarse limestone will be found resting directly upon the chalk but this coarse limestone, for the reason alone that it is everywhere found resting upon the chalk, must have been deposited after the chalk was formed, and consequently can never be found below it. It is also evident that when these solid beds are slowly deposited at the bottom of waters, they must have a nearly horizontal position, and that they must occupy the steepest parts of the surface upon which they are formed, so that if the surface presents considerable elevations, these may remain uncovered, and show themselves above the level occupied by the new formation. Thus, when we go from low plains towards mountainous chains, and ascend to their summits, we meet successively formations more and more ancient as we rise. Sometimes these stratified rocks preserve the horizontal position they had at the beginning, but at other times they become more or less oblique in consequence of their partial depression, or sinking, or their unequal elevation. Frequently, we see beds which are abruptly raised up, so as to be almost perpendicular. 
and on the edge of the elevation produced by this overturning of nature, we find other beds which are perfectly horizontal, and we may conclude that the latter were formed subsequently to the elevation of the former. By studying these relations of position, we are enabled to determine the geological age of the mountains. These great movements of strata sometimes take place suddenly, and are accompanied by earthquakes, but at other times they are affected gradually and without any shock. It appears to be well ascertained that since the time of the Romans, a portion of the coast of Naples sank below the level of the sea, and was subsequently raised up again above this level, without overturning the monuments built on this movable soil. One may be satisfied of this fact by visiting an ancient temple situated near Pozzoli, called the Temple of Jupiter Serapis. This monument, of which three columns remain standing erect, appears to have been built in the third century, and was then very much frequented on account of its warm baths. But at a subsequent epoch, supposed to be about 1488, the ground sank down, and the temple was covered by the sea to a height of about 16 feet above the pavement. Marine animals then established themselves on a portion of the submerged columns, and mollusks of the genus Folos excavated innumerable holes in the same way as they do in rocks now covered by the sea. But in the present day, the state of things is not the same. The pavement of the temple is again dry and the traces of the folates we have just mentioned are at a considerable height above the level of the sea. Now these changes in the relative levels of the coast of Pozzoli and the neighboring sea cannot be attributed to an alternate sinking and rise of the waters, because movements of this sort must have been accompanied by fearful inundations along the shores of the Mediterranean, but we cannot explain this phenomenon except by supposing that the coast itself, after sinking, was again gradually raised up. At the present time, Scandinavia and Chile exhibit an analogous phenomenon. On the coast of Sweden, for example, we see certain rocks, which were formerly submerged, now above water, and that the steep shores gradually rising more and more above the level of the sea. For a long time it was observed that the sea abandoned certain parts of the coast, and that the depths of the water decreased in several ports of this region. But these changes of level have been ascertained in a more exact manner. More than a century since, marks were made on different rocks on a line with the surface of the water to serve as points of comparison, and on examining them from year to year it was found that these marks were successively higher and higher above the level of the sea. In the Gulf of Bothnia this rise appears to be four feet in a century, but at other places less, and at some points on the coasts of the Baltic it was nothing, which proves that the change of level does not depend on the subsidence of the sea. We shall recur to the subject of stratification and the various causes which influence it after we have studied the characters of the various formations. End of Lesson 1